Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast, the show that brings together Michigan's top cannabis growers, advocates, and business owners to offer a fresh and honest perspective of Michigan's cannabis industry. Stick with us to get the lowdown from the people who've been on the ground floor of cannabis business in Michigan and gain insights into where the industry may be heading. Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Basor, and today we are doing episode 50, 50 straight weeks. Really excited and glad everyone's joining us on a Friday. Took my first vacation in a while, and I'm, I'm just back to here to do the podcast, so really appreciate it. And today I'm excited uh, to have the second time uh, my good buddy, uh, all our friends, Chris Silva, the retail manager at Farmhouse, among other things. Chris, thanks for being on the show again. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to see everybody, and super stoked to be on the show. Cool. Looking forward to getting in some of the the, the market, like we always do. Uh, Kevin, True Cannabis, uh, what's happening with you? Oh, not much. Just dealing with a little bit of extra water in the Lansing area. We got a bunch of rain, a couple inches overnight, so we got a little bit of flooding inside our building. Kind of did some scattering to try to get that all cleaned up, which we have, and uh, we're here for the podcast, and I'm super excited to have Chris on. He's super knowledgeable in, in the in the cannabis field and uh, enjoy talking to him, so uh, glad to be here. All right, well, it's going to keep on raining, so stay on alert. I know, um, I'm, I'm a little worried about it. <laughs> Tom Beller, Real Leaf, up in Kalkaska, what's happening up there? Not much, it's a Friday, man. You know, not that that means much on the farm, but you know, we yeah. Looking for any reason to celebrate on a gray day like this. Heck yeah. Well, uh, you know, for those that uh, haven't heard the first show that we had with with Chris on, uh, I first met Chris uh, late 2015 uh, when I was uh, just getting still on probation and home confinement. And Chris was the um, the executive, the the director of the First MI Legalized campaign, come off a successful uh, bid with the wolf pack, uh, uh, the wolf pack, the wolf campaign and, uh, um, and came right on and hit it off. Did a lot of work together over the years, done a lot of, uh, consulting and Chris has always been kind of one of my, my go-to guys to find out what's going on in the market and what's going on with the trends and who's saying what, and, uh, you know, all the stuff that goes on in Michigan. Uh, uh, so we got some good stuff to talk about today. Um, Chris right now is the retail manager of Farmhouse uh, in Grand Rapids, one uh, um, the only locally owned store there, and uh, one of the first ones on the west side. And you know, great supporter of all three of us. So we, we thank that. And besides that, Chris, uh, thanks for being on. Why don't uh, for the people that didn't hear the last show? Why don't you uh, just give a brief, you know, few minutes? Tell us about your background and how you went from. Uh, government, not government, but politics, basically, to, to cannabis and why you made that jump and what's happening now. Sure. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, I've been around cannabis since I was 16 and smoking pretty much every day since then. I'd always had like a pretty, pretty serious interest in it and uh, it stayed around that community and stuff. But I <clears throat> was doing some political consulting. I'd been doing that on and off for about 10 years. When I got the MI legalized position and uh, just kind of through doing that, meeting people in Lansing where I was living at the time, um, you know, at the time we had like 90 stores, um, got linked up with a, a group uh, in Lansing, Kind, which is actually where I first met Tom and uh, kind of uh, kind of just kind of banged around in that when that system went from being just completely kind of gray market caregiver into into the 
MMMFLA um, got slapped around pretty hard on the first round of Lansing uh, licensed applications for dispensaries, cultivation, all that kind of stuff. And, and just kind of over time, you know, just kind of picked away at it, did a lot of that stuff, kind of like you were talking about, did a lot of other consulting and real estate, just trying to just trying to to find any little uh, really any little way to stay alive in the industry and making some sort of money as it was transitioning. Um, and that's kind of how I, I met Casey over at Farmhouse and this kind of led me into this. Well, yeah, it's a good segue. So we had you on the show before to talk about the market, the wholesale market, the retail market and um, what was going on and, and you know how like last year it just dropped off the cliff. Um, you know, now it's, it's, it's back to um, ever since really, you know, April, March, it's been picking up. So where, um, where it's June 25th, what's going on with the wholesale market on flour, you know, other, other products such as, uh, you know, carts and, and what are you seeing going on as far as when you're buying stuff right now? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's changing. It was much more of a, of a buyer's market a few months ago. And I think like the last couple months, it's, uh, uh, a lot of things are staying stable. Like I think that I imagine if you could see the data, I think that bulk distillate pricing is probably leveling out. In fact, I think a lot of guys are, are hitting scale on that. I'm seeing a lot of like the big, the big gummy producers and stuff are, <clears throat> are the people that are doing it at, at a pretty high scale. I, I see them coming down in pricing pretty regularly now. Um, so they're getting a lot lower. But on the flower end, a lot of things that I see being stable is like good, good flower, yeah. you know, like that, that market seems to be, be pretty stable, if not like maybe slightly increasing. Um, and then like the, <clears throat> the tier right below, like the absolute best on the market, I, I'm seeing a lot of uh, those, those folks are moving their pricing up over the last couple months, it seems like. And it's, it, um, it leads me to believe that there's like a scarcity of that. <clears throat> that level of product in the market it's getting a, a little bit of a higher a higher price for it <clears throat> um, makes, but then that, for the most part sense. everything you, else is pretty low are yeah. you seeing that then because um, that that makes sense like we've talked about it um you know we've always uh really uh uh the idea for for us is to kind of stick a price and, and go with it um are you seeing the people that got all the way down real low last year and freaking out um what are you seeing them uh, as far as like the different growers i saw it all the way down to 800 a pound and 1400 and and i'm hearing that those prices have kind of raised back up or there's been rebranding yeah those <clears throat> those days are gone i think you know like there there's some people floating in like the the so you know a lot of people are doing um pricing just purely based on thc which i'm sure is something that comes up a lot in when you guys talk about stuff like the customer is extremely THC uh, uh, mo motivated, I guess, you know, so like some some <clears throat> some people that have been pitching me recently have schemes where it's like, hey, you know, for it's like a hundred dollars a pound for each percentage up to like they cap out at like maybe twenty two to twenty four hundred. Um, and then everything, everything over that is just that that price, you know. So I think that's kind of uh, I've seen that a lot more. And while I personally don't like that's that's not how I I think about marijuana. Like I, I I do understand the logic behind it because I see it 
in the in the store you know if you were to look at our top 10 things like <clears throat> four or five of them are going to be the cheapest dates um maybe like <clears throat> maybe three or four of them are going to be our cheapest dates maybe three or four will be like the absolute fire just whatever it happens to be and then the other the rest of it will be just the highest thc regardless of price point really regardless of quality so i think that it's a that's a that's that's something that i think a lot of the cultivators are starting to to zone in on you know yeah hey chris when you're talking about uh you know top top quality flower does that does that encompass the the high testing stuff as well or are we talking about um things that hit on all all categories yeah we're talking like the the things that hit on all categories so like the in our shop right now it's like a couple of tom strains the the real leaf solution strains like um i've got one or two healing organic garden strains that are doing really well redemption's always doing well um and then Michigrown, uh, is a newer brand. It's very, very nice quality, very good all the way around. Like <clears throat> they're doing very pretty good. well. And that's regardless of THC, you know, like they're like, uh, their cobbler and fritter is testing, you know, I guess like, can't believe I'm saying this, but relatively low compared to, Don't do it. you know, 28 or 30%. And that's that people, um, it's harder to get some people to try it, but they, they ultimately come back to it. It's really good flower, you know? Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I know, I know we talk about we talk about it a lot. It's interesting. Uh, there's there's stores out there that are beating, kind of explaining it and beating it into the the, the customer base. And um, but how many years? What's your prediction? Uh, tell where like the, the the consumer actually understands that it's not based on THC. I don't know, and I think that whenever it does, I mean a lot. I, I guess short answer, but I also kind of see the same thing happening in in terpenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I was part of the problem too, you know, like when I would, when I look at something, if I see that it's, uh, like 3% terpenes or something on some flower, that's, that's pretty, I feel like I've been programmed to be like, oh yeah, that's exciting. But I also just wonder, like, I know so little about <clears throat> the cannabis plant. I'm just like some stoner, you know what I mean? I'm just some guy who kind of just sees a lot of it. Um, so I wonder if that's maybe... If they'll just they'll just go from that you know what I'm saying man like it'll be THC today but like tomorrow it'll be terp content and and maybe it'll be like some some unknown THC cannabinoid we don't know I, I think that the customers will always take a limited knowledge base that all of us really have you know like and then kind of take their logic and reasoning behind it and and put it on something that you can quantify and, and right now that's mostly THC so I, I until it's not like a real like I don't know because it drives so much of the buying, the purchasing, the testing, the, the regulations around the sizes of it, you know. So I think it's just like been beaten into people's head that the potency is where you draw like your your assumptions about quality. Yeah, we kind of stopped the whole battle. <laughs> the conversation has been had with just about every customer that that we have for retailers and um we've even removed some precious strains uh, into tissue culture you know waiting for the market to actually mature and you know the crystal ball doesn't say when that's going to happen you know i i I think it's going to take a while for uh if it ever happens to change the popular opinion uh in our society with even with education uh you know we yeah obviously keep going for it (laughs) 
you know, but it, it is, that's, that's how things work right now. It's all mostly a THC game, bag appeal, you know, obviously it's nice when everything hits all the boxes, you know, and that's ultimately what we're looking for. Uh, but it would be nice if we, you know, if there was more terpene analyses available. I know a lot of companies are starting to incorporate that. We have them available for all of our strains, but I would be remiss if I told you that I get asked for that often. And it's one of those things that we are going to start incorporating, you know, QR codes on our bags so people can access those that type of information if they want it. Um, but until the market does actually mature, uh, I don't know if the, it's going to change. Yeah. Hey, Chris, you mentioned I, I agree. I agree, Tom. And I uh, can't wait to see some of those come out of tissue coats here again. We'll be uh, <clears throat> celebrating. But uh um, so like you talked about distillate kind of getting the scale, like I, you know, that I would expect from what I'm hearing, there's a lot of the outdoor growers that went way bigger this year than they did last year. I expect a lot more outdoor crops to come down and turn into distillate wars, uh, maybe all the way down. I think it's at 16 a gram right now, maybe down to seven and six, you know, by the middle of the, the, the winter type stuff, who knows? And then, um, you know, like people can make the argument well you know you're not going to be smoking outdoor flour so um you know as much but what what we saw last year is like why why there's such a, a, a more of a demand now is the consumer spending so what do you see co coming up chris this fall when does the market uh take a dive and uh slow down and uh <coughs> what are your predictions well you know it it there's a lot of variables, you know, like if Detroit gets, uh, you know, we were talking, Ryan and I were talking about this, I think this morning or yesterday, yeah. like the, the Detroit market, for example, like I know, I know licensed folks who are totally all of their, all of their like smaller, you know, class A's and D's and stuff, folks in Muskegon who, uh, all of their stuff is just gone for, spoken for by like, you know, a handful of stores in Detroit, right, on the medical side. And so that that entire city's propping up, in my opinion, I think a good chunk of the the medical marijuana market. So if if this lawsuit stuff and the ordinance gets worked out there, like that could that could jack stuff up at a kind of a weird time, you know, like as they're going into as they're going into cropping out and stuff, if um, depends on how all this stuff kind of breaks. But I imagine just anecdotally from the the people that I know and just the stuff I see on like Instagram and stuff, like seems like everybody's popping off like a lot of outdoor right now. <clears throat> and I think the people that weren't doing it last year are doing it this year. The people that did it last year are like really doing it this year. You know, so I think that's gonna drive down for sure the distillate and like so all the all of the vapes that value added products the the edibles topicals all that shit i think that the market will will be a pretty i don't even know that it'll, it'll be a die it'll be a dive it's gonna dive down there but i think it's probably gonna not come back up i think it's gonna stay relatively low because that's the new normal i think and uh and then i think like you know they'll divert some of that stuff into you know like really really cheap pre-rolls things like that but i think for the most part the like the good flower game is 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 pretty much like you know like it's not apples and oranges so like the idea that somebody like me who's in a store is gonna beat somebody down who has indoor flower that's really good that's normally fetching 
26, 20, $2,800 or something down to like 14 because like I'm getting comparably priced THC outdoor. Like that's, that's not the same thing, you know? So I, I just don't see those, those types of folks getting, uh, getting hit is hard. Um, but I also see capacity and bandwidth cranking up for, for that kind of, uh, for that kind of flower as well. So it's tough to say, man. Chris, what do you think about, um, you know, this moving forward, we've seen this now for a few years where the outdoors had a severe impact on uh, distillate costs. I mean, you get down to six and five dollars a gram for distillate. What's the profitability of people to grow uh, mass amounts of outdoor to continue this kind of thing going? Do you do you see that for going on for quite a few years or what do you think on that? Yeah, no, I. <clears throat> that's kind of the that's like the double edged sword, right, of doing it so hard is it is pretty cheap way to make a lot of uh, a lot of money. So it really that comes down to the, the I think the consumer's tolerance for that. I think that, um, you know, if everybody watched or if everybody who smoked weed watched this podcast, like I for sure the, the pricing across the board of edibles on the adult use side would be way lower. You know, like the, the price points on this stuff are the price points because that's what people are paying for it, you know? And I think that uh, over time, like those prices will eventually have to come down and it's, it's going to become something where like, it's only really going to be worth doing. I think if you're like really doing it, you know, and you're, you're doing it at scale. Um, it probably makes sense if, if you're not just doing the growing part, but if you're also like processing and doing all the stuff, you know, like, like the analogy I use is like no one's naming baseball stadiums after like a farmer who sells st- like hops and stuff to Anheuser-Busch. They name it after Anheuser-Busch, the guy who turns it into beer and markets it and adds a lot of value to it. You know, so like that's the that's kind of <clears throat> what I see happening, you know, um, already. You know, like I think that the the one strategy I see that I, I, I think it makes a lot of sense is like you'll get a, a processor who will work with like a group of, uh, of smaller, you know, growers and stuff. And so they can kind of run stuff through their, their processing center and kind of run it as scale. We work with a, a great group out of Bangor down in Southwest Michigan, Waypoint Processing. We, we, we also do a lot of RSO and different things from them. And I know that that's kind of their model and they're able to to definitely stay competitive and, and do well. But I, I think ultimately like the, the days of like the more one-off gummy brands and, you know, stuff like that. I, I think those are probably getting pretty limited in the next few years. I just don't see it really making sense financially. Well, we we're discussing the concentrate market, but I kind of want to address the flower market when it comes to, um, you know, the winter time, what we saw last year and, uh, the, the contributing factors to the fall in the price of flour temporarily. And uh, I think that also it just happens to be a coincidence that the end of the year happens right around the same time that Croptober comes to market. And you see a lot of companies, especially these large cultivators that are um, trying to get just numbers on the books to satisfy uh, these investors or whatever their situation may be. End of the year is kind of a big push for these guys. And that's partially why you saw a lot of really low price flour flood the market. And, uh, you know, it does make ripple waves all the way through to uh, to brands like ours. And, you know, we had to play 
play along to a certain extent but you know I, I do believe that if you have a good quality flower it does retain its value uh, to the customers that are coming back for it yeah without that without a doubt um, one one factor that uh, I think uh, surprised us or surprised me um, in a great way I, I thought it was gonna go up but not as fast and we're coming out of the pandemic like you know we had record-breaking April 100 and 54 million in sales, 100 and uh, f uh, it was like 48 million here in May, June. You know, June's gonna be another good one. I think July will be our highest ever. Um, people will be out spending. August is gonna be great. But what we saw last year for the first time was the first uh, year of everyone being able to grow 12 plants in their yard uh, recreationally. So I saw consumer spending take a big dip last year at the at the retail level and kind of caused that black backlog along with everything else. So um, you know. What uh, what do you remember about that, and what do you hear, Chris? Uh, a lot of people don't let even come into your store. They're growing. Uh, it seems to be so many people are growing, and they give it away to their friends. What do you expect on that to hit, and when? You know, man. I think honestly, people growing weed in their home makes them buy more weed. You know, I think they get like in like it makes them like ahead. You know, so like they're into they're into weed more. Like I get. Like a lot of the, a lot of, a lot, like a lot of our customers and patients grow and they're coming in to try different stuff, you know, like, um, so for me, I, I don't know for sure that that like really drives down consumer spending. I think consumer spending is probably more, more constrained by just like what's going on with stimmies and the economy. Um, and then just like price points on stuff, you know, I, I think that, um, that home grows only, uh, really only stimulate our market, but I, I could be that that's purely anecdotal just from like the amount of weed that these folks buy who grow, who come to my store, you know? Yeah. We always want to be, that's what we always said. Uh, you know, every dispensaries I was involved in back in the day, you always want to be the, uh, the store that the caregivers come into, um, you know, that's, that's when, you know, you're doing it right. And it does, it does increase spending. Um, I guess this year we'll see who, who's kind of prepared for it at the, at the wholesale level, uh, and who's not. And if, if everyone learned from last year, um, speaking of that, like we, you, you mentioned it with, uh, with the good, the good group down there, Southwest Michigan, um, we're, we're going to announce it or post about it. We started to, uh, redemption came out with strain specific RSO. This past week, and I know we sold a lot to, to Farmhouse, and I kind of totally underestimated the market uh, on it. What's going on in Michigan right now, which is a good thing, because you know I've I deal um, I've a lot of people in the caregiver world that to get taken care of with that. I, I take it every night. And uh, what Chris, I know you guys, you guys are an old kind of caregiver shop. So what uh, I know, and why is it that you sell so much? What are you hearing about it? Uh, tell me, I know you're excited about being strain specific. We see Melvin do that. So uh, um, yeah, what are you seeing uh, on, on the launch? Yeah, for sure, man. So we've sold a lot of it already, um, like a lot, a lot actually, man. Like, so uh, people like it. Um, we we're like the RSO store in general, you know, we were moving a lot of RSO beforehand uh the biggest reason we sell a lot of rso in general is because it's it's we're we sell it cheap you know we're not we're not necessarily like the market i think has a higher price tolerance for it right now but we just uh don't need to do that and don't want to on like some some real medicine so i think one we just have a lot of rso heads coming in and then um 
the RSO, so the gummy to RSO transition is like, that's like upsell number one mm-hmm. at our at our shop. And that's not even really an upsell because, you know, we pitch it to them as like the six bags of gummies you're buying for, you know, like $75 um, is in this one syringe for, for 40 bucks, you know? And so I think, I think the, the economic argument on that, and then when you get into like being full spectrum and having like all of the cannabinoids just on the straight RSO, we're getting them on that. But then when we add like the strain specific stuff, cause we're, we're trying to get people off of the, or I'm, I'm trying to get people off of the, the, like the, spe- the, the cult, not the cultivar specific, but I guess like the indica hybrid sativa gummies and edibles. Yeah. Like I just, uh, I'm not a doctor, but I feel like that's not real. I think that your, your stomach kind of gets so hot. I, I just feel like the terpenes that would actually have the, the distinguishing features of indica and sativa are burned out of you by the time your body gets to processing them. I don't know that your liver is even capable of that stuff, but once I'm just, I'm not a doctor, but I think that the RSO gets like, I believe that the RSO, like when you take it orally uh, and you're not taking it in a pill, I think like a lot of it is, is kind of absorbed, like almost like similar to sublingually, you know, like it's getting hit all the way down. So I think you're able to like have way more of those beneficial um, entourage effects from having all of the cannabinoids present. And so I, I, you know, so we just, um, education, I guess, is man, is to answer the short answer to this is we just really try to work on, on that. We, we offer pretty compassionate, um, pricing on a lot of the RSO, like the RSO price on weed maps, like is definitely not the price you pay if you have cancer at the store. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's a, there's a lot, I think that's a big part of it. And then we just make it, it's like our, it's one of our, our projects that we're working on is to get more RSO out there, more education. Um, we, uh, we've been working with the patient. We've just been, uh, gifting him like his monthly supply of it. And he's working on like a journal to kind of keep track of stuff for us. And we're trying to get his, uh, his regimen dialed in and stuff. And so we're just, we're really just wanting to figure out as much as we can about it and, and kind of just get, get, get people on it. So I, we're just, evangelicals about it man that's 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 how we're doing it i guess that's that's incredible that's one of the reasons i wanted to do strain specific is because i always have over the years i get a lot of calls uh since 2010 but especially since in the last two or three years of people either having seizures you know relatives whether they be you know uh, even kids and you know cancer and and just all types of stuff and i always call evan over he used to be at oma medicine the doctor uh, great guy and he's always getting into like well you need this ratio you need you'd want these can- can- cannabinoids and he's explaining it and why and like on the current market and most states um you just it's just a big mix of whatever somebody had or whatever biomass so um that was really the thought behind the strain specific obviously you have to explain to people it doesn't taste like that <laughs> or it's not you know gooberry right. flavored it's it's going to be consistent over time if that works for you better than pineapple express because of you know it's whatever the a cannabinoid or, or or whatever part of it and it's kind of more predictable that way so it's exciting we also are going to be doing uh uh, a program where the stores we're working with we're gonna you know definitely be taking care of uh, your sick sicker patients and um want to get that going again it's important and thankful michigan is uh, so far ahead in some other states than that but 
Um, now on to uh, something else. Something's uh, always exciting uh, and fun to talk about, and kind of keeps uh, keeps me entertained every day. Um, for those who don't know Chris, uh, we we talked a lot in the mornings uh, for many years now, and a lot of it's been like what's going on on social media in the cannabis world. So we've been watching this whole MCMA thing coming for a while, and uh, Chris, uh, just what are you seeing with it out there? What's your opinion? Uh, and then at a store level, uh, and all the backlash against stores that are that are carrying it. Yeah, so it's been wild hilarious all a bunch of things uh, a little bit terrifying <laughs> all so you know on a store level like it's definitely forced like a lot of like pretty tough conversations with us and in full disclosure you know we have like a uh, like three products from those many from um wanas wanas on our on our shelf right now and definitely haven't popped off a reorder or anything you know like since then but like it's definitely like you know, it's so one, I think that like for us, especially like, oh, am I going to like throw this shit away? You know what I mean? Like I have to, yeah. you know, I have to, I have to get through what I have. So like the boycott aspect of like, I'm supportive, but it is a little bit scary, you know, for, for me. Um, and, but I do think that it, it's good and it's needed because it's forcing people like me to which I was down to do it and, and I'm going to do it no matter what. But like it forces like other people in my position and other stores to have these conversations. Like when the High Life Farms guy and like the dude from Flourish or Common Citizen or whatever rolls by the shop and they're like, hey, homie, how come you're not putting in an order? And you're like, yeah, because uh, Instagram's going to murder me if I do that. Like, what are you talking about, my guy? Like they're going to take down my Instagram because every comment's going to be someone shit talking like super hard, you know? And that's a... Uh, that's good. Like they need to get that. They need to get that feedback from people in the field who are like, "Hey, got laughed out of like five dispensaries today, and all of my caregiver friends, you know, won't talk to me." Like they, they need no. Like they need that kind of like. That's how you build pressure, right? And like that's uh. So we're uh we're we're giving it to them, you know. But uh, it's just uh, it's tough to say because a lot of guys, you know, and folks like this in these groups, like when they get this kickback they double down harder you know and i just i worry that it's going to be more of that yeah. yeah i mean that's how you vote right you vote with your pocketbook and that's how boycotts work but also people have to understand that it it takes time if you're a store and you have this product on your shelves and this boycott happens and you are possibly unaware that like chris was saying you know what are you going to do just throw it away just you know you know it is a business so you got to run through the product but i'm glad to hear that you guys are taking that stance because you know you got to put your money where your mouth is otherwise change doesn't happen yeah for sure and and as we talked about when we talked about it on the show with rick and jamie like part of this was all part of their plan and chris was around through all the politics since 2015 he saw every step of the way and was aware of what was going on and you know they did this they this was the plan from day one with the you know highlight farms getting the first license and green peak and then you know floors and on and on that was that was what the whole deal was so they got first to market on a lot of stuff and you know some of the stuff is still there and like wana and all that but um what are you seeing speaking of that you know a little bit different than that chris uh, we talked uh, we were talking a little bit about it but like different brands um some of the national brands uh we had a conversation about them possibly going and you know, leaving, leaving uh, current processors and growers and doing their own thing. 
Yeah, no, that's a, that's a trend I've seen a lot this year is folks that were multi-state brands that were maybe like paired with a, a local operator or processor in, in Michigan. Um, I've seen a lot of those folks in the last, you know, six, six to eight months. Uh, they now have their own processing uh, centers and, you know, they're sourcing their own biomass and, and, and doing so. I think that that's kind of a... It's probably inevitable, you know, like, um, but I do think that it's, that also points to like our prior conversation. Like this is like the, the biomass that was created, that was using, that was being used to create these gummies and vapes or whatever, whatever it was, that capacity is still around. It's not, it's not gone, but, and it means that there's new capacity that was created for, for those new licensees. So I I think the the market is going to get pretty wild yeah it's gonna be interesting to see how fast that grows versus say michigan getting up to you know we're on pace to do maybe 1.8 billion or something like that at 1.7 when we get up to say 4 billion in a couple of years and which outgrows which first so i'm sure we'll be having you on to talk a lot more about that uh over the next uh who knows every quarter um uh, it'll be pretty interesting um, one thing uh, before I close up here, uh, you know, it is interesting. We are getting Michigan is getting a lot of attention from from the country right now, and you know, all over the marijuana world. And it's it's from the most part, a lot of the bigger the the people I know that have been around and made connections with there, they're pretty excited about it because, like uh, in most states, these these brands come in and, and these big companies come in and they just overpower and nobody calls them out on it. So there's a lot of a lot of positive feedback there. Um, they're they're excited about it and talking about how we're like definitely uh, like no other market in the world. So um, kudos to Michigan and kudos to all the activists and all the great small business owners. So. Um, we got a hard out hitting and I wanted to, to give everyone a chance to say uh, goodbye to Chris and Chris a few last words so Tom over at Real Leaf uh... yeah Chris man you have impeccable taste in headwear so I'd like to thank you the check's in the mail uh, as always it's great to, to talk to you man we I love having conversations and picking your brain on everything we kind of got away from some of that as we get busy every day but i really look forward to uh having further conversations and uh, hope to see you soon man you guys you take it easy for sure thanks man kevin yeah chris you know uh i've always respected your input and uh your knowledge on the industry um it goes far and beyond what you downplay it as um, you know, you're just a guy. You're not just a guy. You know, you, you've been around. You know what's going on, and and uh, you keep us informed, and we really appreciate that. And I give you a lot of uh, a lot of kudos for uh, for 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 taking the approach you guys have. Um, you know, with standing up to the big players. Um, that's a difficult thing to try to navigate as a business owner or you know someone that's managing a business. Um, you know, it's it's hard to tiptoe around that. So, um, but I give you guys a lot of a lot of kudos, and I have a lot of respect for you for you for you guys. Uh, standing up and and been putting your foot down so uh thanks keep keep on not uh, churning and keep doing your thing and uh we'll talk to you soon buddy cool thanks man i appreciate it good talking to you guys um yeah man i just i really appreciate the opportunity to be on the show ryan uh thanks very much thank you all you guys for doing what you're doing like some of our some of our best products and stuff come from this group here so i really uh really appreciate it i think that's a big part of the success of the store is having really good good 
good vendors doing good products. And I think for me too, I'm out there like hyping it. I'm like, oh, this is like the homie. I actually know this guy. And I think people really like like that aspect of it. So I just think like for us, we're able to check all the boxes and it just, uh, it's it's just great. It's living the dream. So thank you. Thanks guys. Oh, thank you, Chris. I like that. Living the dream as I, I do, uh, you know, you, you know, there's people taking their, their bumps and bruises now, but I remember back when you made the plunge and definitely took some bumps and bruises uh, at first yeah, to get going. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so you paid your dues and that's what's exciting to, to be in business. And, you know, we don't get arrested for this anymore and we actually get to do that with a bunch of bunch of people that we work to get it there the way it is. So always enjoy ha- you having you on, Chris, and uh, we'll have you on again. So with that, uh, see you guys next week. The Smoking Rope Podcast is produced and hosted by me, Ryan Basor, the owner of Redemption Cannabis. Have ideas for episode topics or would like to be a guest on the show? Contact us at ryanb at redemptioncanna.com. Thanks for being along for the journey.